which is to me the biggest reason that we need to have it to be nationalized healthcare so that the hospital's interests align with the patient interests and the healthcare provider interests. When the hospital interest and the patient interests don't align, what are we doing? What, what are we doing? That's just mind-bogglingly unethical to me. I don't know what we're doing. And and yeah, there's a lot in the healthcare system in the United States that's absolutely not right. And I think that a lot of this nursing burnout problem is also happening with doctors. It's also happening with, you know, every other healthcare professional. It's not exclusive to just nursing. Again, I talk about it in context of nurses because that's what I am personally familiar with, but it is important to realize that it's something that's happening with all healthcare professionals. And the consequences are that because the healthcare professionals are burning out, that quality healthcare isn't happening anymore. So back to what we were talking about in the beginning, of chronic illness and when we talk about like why are people with chronic illness not getting the high quality health care that they should be getting a part of this is because the healthcare providers who are expected to be taking care of these people are burnt out so they're no longer invested they're no longer emotionally capable they're no longer listening to their patient with empathy and compassion they're no longer able to go that extra mile and ask those extra questions. They don't have the energy to do all that deep dive research to say, what could this possibly be that's going on with this person? They just do the perfunctionary tests, check the boxes to cover their license, cover their job and say, okay, I've done my thing. And then look at this person and go, I don't know, because they no longer have the capacity to feel and to care. This is a fundamental problem in healthcare. And I think that if we look at it, it's one that is problematic, not just in the United States, but burnout is a problem worldwide. And it's because the nursing to a patient ratio is too large. You know, the demand is too big. The stress rates are too high. The support isn't enough. And I don't know what all the answers are, but it, it is not sustainable and we can't continue to allow it to go this way. Uh, bounty hunter. It's not perfect here either, but damn. Yeah, I'm... I, I have definitely talked to people in other parts of the world and I don't think that healthcare is perfect anywhere. I don't think that any country has come up with the perfect answer of how do you provide the perfect system of healthcare that meets every person's needs at a reasonable cost. I, I, I don't think that any country has come up with that solution yet. I think that we're very far from coming up with these kinds of answers. And I think most countries are facing a lot of the same challenges in that we don't have enough healthcare staff. How do you make healthcare more appealing? How do you make it less stressful? How do you give the healthcare professionals the support so that they can do what they need to do without ending up with post-traumatic stress, without ending up with burnout, so that they continue to provide high quality healthcare? You know, how do you do good triage so that they don't feel morally wounded, which is a huge contribution towards the um, whole problem of post-traumatic stress. Like if you think about why you go into healthcare, like I went into healthcare because I, I love people and I want to take care of people.
there's a moral outrage in me that I can't even explain to know that the system does not have that same goal. So, I mean, moral injury is all about this idea that you have this value, this moral set, this ethical set, and then you're being asked to do this thing that is in conflict with your moral values. And when that happens once in a while, we can usually justify to ourselves occasionally having to make decisions that are against our moral code. Because sometimes it is the right thing to do, even though it's, uh, I don't, I don't know, or whatever. When we are asked to do this on a professional level, day after day after day after day, like how do you justify not being able to give a patient health care that they need that's life-saving because they can't afford it? How can you justify um, giving health care to somebody that's rich and not poor? How can we justify the reality that people who have color you know, who are people of color don't get as good a health care as people who are Caucasian. Like, how do you justify any of that? It is so morally outrageous and wounding that how can you expect people who hold life as sacred and people as the most fundamentally important things in their lives to not incur injury cumulatively over time when this is what we're asked to do over and over and over and over again and it's insane it's absolutely insane and the cumulative cost is burnout and i think the thing that's most mind-boggling to me about all of this is that over my 20 years of nursing i have always tried very hard to advocate for my patient and to fight for the ethical principles that I believe in. And I have always struggled to make the system better, even if it's just in the little environment that I am working in, but have even fought on the legal level. And when I talk about these struggles and how hard it is and I'm kind of venting about it, what's most mind boggling to me is that people tell me that I frequently get commentary about how I, I have too strong a sense of justice, that the answer to my struggle isn't that the system should change, but that I should lower my expectation for ethics and justice. I find that to be the most concerning and the most frustrating and demoralizing part of all of this is that the healthcare profession has been so crushed that the expectation that it can get better is pretty much gone. That the answer to what they're telling young nurses coming in isn't, we have to fight, we have to advocate, we have to improve things, but is to, you need to lower your expectations. You need to have you know, less sense of justice and you need to lower your ethical standard. I don't even know how to like respond to any of that other than to just like gape at them in a flabbergasted like, if that isn't like the voice of burnout, I don't know what is. <laughs> it makes a lot of difference, let me tell you. I was recently hospitalized for a few days. The nurses made my stay amazing, forgot about everything that hurt. 
Yeah, I think that the difference between having really good nurses and really crappy nurses in your hospitalization is huge. And I don't think that people really understand the statistical differences of this. But if you want good outcomes in your hospital stay, the thing that's going to make the biggest difference is the number of times the nurse is in your room. Not the doctor, the nurse. Statistically speaking, the person who is the most likely to notice that you are having a clinical decline is your nurse. And they are the ones who are most likely, statistically speaking, to alert and raise the alarm and are most likely to prevent you from having a decline in your care, in your, your general outcome. So the thing, the single most important factor in someone having a good outcome in their hospital stay is having frequent presence of nursing checks. That just hourly visit at minimum, nurse come into your room for a few minutes to lay eyes on you and see how you're doing. And that is almost impossible to do now. It is so almost impossible when you have six or more patients assigned to you to be able to go into your patient's room every hour and assess them. And it is the most fundamentally important thing that we do. And yet it's not valued anymore. It's considered fluff. I mean, I tend to have a very casual and goofy style of nursing. I tend to be kind of a class clown, even when I'm nursing. Um, but yeah, you do have to keep kind of a certain like distance with your patients. So it's kind of a weird uh, balancing act. But I do think that, yeah, I, I do think that it's, it's weird and awkward if you're new to nursing, like how do you engage with people in these moments of they're naked, you're not, or they're really sick and how do you address that? Or they're just, there's their moments of vulnerability. And it takes a, it takes a lot of practice to, be able to interact with all of that in a casual and not overly casual way. And someone who is here, yes, we play Minecraft sometimes. Um, and we do have a Minecraft server that people can play on with us. And that's something that you can uh, join us on if you are subscribing through the buy me a coffee and the link is down in the about or you can see the link at the top of the page here or the website it's not a link at the top of the page here um so anybody who goes to the coffee shop and subscribes at the llama corner higher can join us on the minecraft server and play minecraft with us to be honest, I am not. Last night my stomach was very warm, thought nothing of it until I woke up like one hour later, felt like I was gonna throw up and I vomited a bit violently on the floor two times. Uh, I hate barfing. I woke up at 7 a.m. and I threw up. Uh, I am so sorry, I don't know. I'm sorry that you're feeling awful. I mean, my personal opinion is that having nausea and vomiting is worse than being in pain. I hate vomiting more than about any other symptom that I can ever experience. I hate it so much. I just, it's awful. Absolutely awful. So I am super sorry that you're not feeling well. And it sounds like someone, someone who's here is also feeling sick. Boo. I'm sorry that you are not feeling well. Unfortunately, this is at least in my area, the time of year where people are, are generally sick and nothing's sick to you guys are all sick. You're all play bearers. We're all sitting here together stewing in our germs. I guess it's a good thing that we're not physically in the same room or we would all just be like, 
share in those journeys. <laughs> I will say that's a, one thing that I, I will say has been kind of interesting about the pandemic has been the increased use of social media and Zooms and streaming and all of that that has been pretty cool and amazing and has allowed us to connect in ways that we didn't used to. And I like that it has normalized internet socialization, which used to have a really negative connotation to it. And we used to view it as like somehow lesser than socialization, which never made sense to me, but that's how it was viewed. So I'm, I, I think that that's one thing that it, that's good that's come out of all of this. Um, I don't tend to play on Xbox or PlayStation, someone. I tend to play solely on my PC. Every now and again, I play on a console, but I will say 99% of my gaming is on my PC. Yes, germs ads, we all have them. Even when we are healthy, we have a microbiome of germs that swim around us that we can share with other people. Your stomach has been feeling weird after it's not warm and haven't threw up for the rest of the day. Blah. Well, if it lasts for very long or gets worse, I would say definitely go uh, see your doctor. But do your best to stay hydrated. Lots of frequent little slips of fluid. You don't want these germs. Yeah, well, <laughs> unfortunately, sharing germs comes with any kind of human interaction that involves physical touch. We share germs all the time. Sometimes it doesn't even require us to touch each other. That's the worst part. How often do I stream? Oh, and thank you for saying that I'm amazing. I appreciate that. Nothing. Um, so I stream Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I shouldn't have to thought about that so hard. But there we are. Um, the only days that I don't stream are Friday and Saturday right now. So Sunday is my chat night. We just have a topic that we generally talk about and I engage with chat and oftentimes get off topic because I don't stay focused super well. Um, and then the other four nights we play games. Um, Monday we kind of cycle through games. Uh, Tuesday right now is um, grounded. Wednesday we're playing through Elder Scrolls Online and on Thursday we're playing Seven Days to Die with Mischief Maker enabled so you can cause chaos and mayhem. You just feel tired mainly and I'm not really hungry after I barely ate any dinner except for a bit of chicken. Yeah, don't push it. When you're feeling nauseous, the best thing you can do is drink as much as you can. Focus on nutritional beverages if you can tolerate them. Um, you know, health shakes, electrolytes, um, milks, those kinds of things. And just small amounts as frequently as you can. And remember that your immune system works its best when you are sleeping. And the reason that you feel tired when you are sick is because of the amount of energy that your immune system takes when it's really geared up. So facilitate that and, and do as much sleeping as you can. Help your body get better. What is my favorite Netflix series? Well, someone, I don't tend to watch a lot of Netflix. Uh, currently don't even have a subscription to Netflix. Um, but in general, I don't tend to watch a lot of shows. Um, I think the most recent Netflix... Hydrate, you <laughs> I'm hydrating, I'm hydrating. I think the show that I most recently watched was uh, Sandman based on Neil Gaiman's comic, which was really good.
Uh, so I stream starting at 6 p.m. and go until 10 p.m. and that's Eastern Standard Time. And you can also see my schedule down in the about, um, which should convert to your time zone. So that will probably be more useful because I don't know about you, but I am terrible at converting to my time zone. So if somebody tells me a time that's not in my time zone, I'll be like, uh, what time is that? So when we're talking about like all of this um, burnout and nurses and healthcare providers struggling to give really good care and the system not being well structured, it really amounts to healthcare not being provided in ideal ways. And we have this majority of our population, 60 to 65% of people who have chronic illness who need frequent and you know, ongoing healthcare management in order to maintain control of their symptoms so that they don't have adverse outcomes related to that chronic illness. So one of the challenges that comes up with this is that when you don't have anything left and you are experiencing that second symptom, that depersonalization, where you are unable to interact with people in normally, in normal and healthy ways and you are experiencing a state of unfeeling lack of empathy and compassion for other human beings the likelihood that you are going to dismiss someone or gaslight someone is really high and it's not even that you're going to do it intentionally it's just that you are not emotionally equipped to to deal with other people's needs your needs are not being met and i think that's what people forget about is that maslov's hierarchy of needs there's these foundational needs that have to be addressed before you can start taking care of other people the two basic needs is making sure that your biological needs are met so you have to have food water you know your your food and water and uh, shelter, all of that, your bio biology needs to be taken care of. So your body has to be taken care of. Then that second tier is a sense of safety. And what people don't realize is that healthcare people are not getting those two tiers met because they're not getting appropriate breaks. They're not getting sleep. They're not getting meals. They're not being able to go to the bathroom. They're not being able to get drinks. So their biological needs are not being met. So that first tier is being denied. And then because in 90% of shifts worked in direct care, there's some type of emotional, physical, or sexual abuse experienced, their safety need is not being met. And when those two foundational needs are not being met, the third tier of socialization can never be achieved. And that's what people forget in that foundation has to be met before you can start doing the higher stuff. And the really cool stuff doesn't happen until you meet the highest tier of self-actualization. And that's where things like problem solving, innovation, that's where that stuff happens. And that's where things like really good differential diagnosis would happen. So if we want doctors and nurses to be in a position to really sort out why people are sick, we need to make sure that that full Maslow hierarchy of needs is being met so that they can reach self-actualization. If that foundation is not being met, there's no way that they can meet the social need, let alone get up to socialization, I mean, uh, self-actualization. And I think that's 
a large part of why we're seeing so many people in the chronic illness community reporting experiences of medical uh, gas, uh, medical post-traumatic stress and experiences of being gaslighting or experiences of being dismissed. It's because providers don't have what they need in order to be able to take care of patients. And it's a systemic problem. I mean, and we tend to only think of like the Maslow hierarchy of needs in context of like when someone is mentally ill and, you know, we need to like help them get better. But these are needs that exist for every human being on the planet in every context of their lives. Doesn't matter if you're at home, whether you're being a student, whether you're working, these needs exist. And if you're going to be able to do anything other than be in that fight or flight survival mode, then you have to make sure that those survival needs are being met so that your body and your brain can focus on things other than staying alive because if you feel like your existence is threatened how can you possibly focus on anything other than trying to stay alive like how can you give to other people when you feel like you're not being fed you're not sleeping you're you really can't even take a pee break um, you people are beating you up etc your needs aren't being met now this isn't to say that I feel like it excuses the misbehavior and the bad care and the bad behavior that we have seen in the healthcare profession. I don't think that it excuses it. But what I think that it means is that we need to look at this problem as the systemic problem that it is. We can't expect that addressing the problem as a disciplinary issue with an individual is going to solve the problem. When you do a survey and literally 90% of nurses say that they're experiencing some or all of the symptoms of burnout, not, yes, I feel burnout, but when they are given a burnout assessment survey that is a diagnostic tool and then a psychiatrist is evaluating them for symptoms of burnout and depending upon the, the evaluation, it's anywhere between 85 and 90% of American nurses are in a state of burnout. It's not surprising that they're failing to provide the level of care that every patient deserves to receive. So what do we do about this? You can't yeah, 85 to 90%. That's flabbergasting, isn't it? Majority of those nurses are considered to be in a mild state or what they call functional burnout and not at crisis burnout level. However, that's still really problematic. That means that the majority of nurses who are providing care in the United States are experiencing a degree of depersonalization, which means that they're struggling to have compassion, empathy, and caring for the patients that they're providing care for. 